Welcome back, Cuzzies, to another episode of the Coaster Cuzzies podcast. If this is your first time tuning in to the Coaster Cuzzies, this podcast is where two best friends talk about roller coasters, theme parks, and shenanigans. Your hosts for this show today are Coaster Bro and Theme Park Stud. In today's episode, the Cuzzies and Chef Jeff will continue the trek down the East Coast in search of credits, grub, and glory. So stay tuned and listen to the Cuzzies in your ear. Yo, 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 what's up, Coaster Bro? How I do? Hey, man. Happy New Year. Good to see you, man. Happy New Year's. We spent New Year's Eve together. Yes. And we got Jeff on the show. Today's kind of a weird episode, as in uh, Jeff and I thought we were recording together, and then the time that we were recording, you happened to be asleep on the couch. So uh, we woke your ass up, and this is our first like road trip stop since what? Since Portland, Maine, and Boston, Massachusetts. Well, like all three of us were together. Everybody's been hanging out at the Hooters. You got dropping somebody off. We uh, trading people out. Minnesota, I think. What? Might have been Minnesota that we were last all together. Oh, my God. This is more of a unicorn episode. I thought we were in Canada together. No, Mitch was with us in Canada. Oh, yeah. I wasn't with you all. Yeah. How did I end up in Canada, though? You were in Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay. So you went to Niagara Falls. Like okay. Canada light. Yes. With Basically. more tables breaking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to be back on the stop together. We got some great pizza in this episode. We got some the parks that were highlighted. I guess I should just say what we're going to do. We're going to Six Flags Great Escape. We're going to hang out in Lake George. We're going to Six Flags New England. Going to New Haven to eat some pizza. Late compounds and quasi in this episode. So it's jam packed. Um, this is another case of like a bunch of small parks, but um, not as small as last episode. There's more than two credits at most of these parks, but they are still small. So there's like a character in the, in the, in the, uh, in the New England area of parks. And this is, I'm excited because the theme park said after we did our last episode, I was like, bro. We got to go to all these tiny ass parks. They sound like fun. And I think we might have, he might change his opinion after, uh, after this episode. And we'll see. I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited about the other one. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, one thing I do want to bring up before we jump into the, the main coaster lineup is between like Boston and um, Lake George, New York, which is like an upstate New York. There's a, there's a lot of liminal space. That was a word that I promised that I would use on the podcast. Does anybody know what liminal space means? Not this early in the day. <laughs> Not a lot of space. It's like the, the, the space in between. Yeah. So like between Christmas and New Year's, it's like the liminal space of the holidays. The more you know, there's your vocab for the day. Liminal. So I might say it a couple times. but there's a bunch of credits in the middle of that there's you got like the anirondack mountains i guess the mountain range there and with mountains comes mountain coasters so i count a bunch of credits in between that as much of a whore you want to be you can be here 
One of them is at the Fun World Game Center, which is just outside of Canopy Lake, has an Orient Express, which is a kiddie coaster, not not a mountain coaster. I know I got hyped you up. You guys got hyped on the mountain coasters. But uh, it has an Orient Express. So, like, this is a good stop outside of Canopy that we kind of missed on last show, that if you wanted to get one credit in at Canopy Lake, you're looking for something to do. Fun World Game Center is where you want to go. Now, after that, you get into these big-ass mountains. Killington Ski Resort has the Beast Mountain Coaster, which is one of the longer ones. It looks like it might be worth it. You've got the Okemo Mountain Resort for the Timber Ripper Coaster and Jiminy Park for another mountain coaster. So you've got three mountain coaster opportunities there. We're not talking Gatlinburg big here, but this is like Branson level when it comes to like the amount of mountain coasters you could be riding. Now, one kind of downside about these is they're all at mountain resorts. So I, I didn't do a whole lot of research on them, but you would have to pay some pretty substantial money to get these credits, which is kind of that's kind of what the mountain coaster game is all about, right? All right, there you go. So go through the mountains, go ride some mountain coasters, get your ass to the Great Escape. The Great Escape, which is our first big stop in this episode. So, uh, didn't know, Jeff, you got a little bit of history about the great escape. I'm sure it's an interesting park. Yeah. Um, the great escape is actually one of three six flags parks, not formally branded with six flags in the title, along with Laurent and frontier city, uh, began life as Storytown USA, which was a mother goose themed park in 1954. Uh, in an effort to expand their reach from just children, they added their ghost town area with the first of many additions. Uh, that was in 1957. Um, the name switch to the Great Escape came in 1983. Uh, the, fir- the park's first coaster followed suit, the Steam and Demon, in 1984. Uh, they'll have added, uh, 10 years later, their showpiece coaster, which is the Comet which spent 41 years in operation at Crystal Beach. Uh, In 1996, Charles Wood, who had been the owner of the park since the beginning, sold to Premier Parks, who later purchased the Six Flags Company. In the years since, they've added the Great Escape Lodge and Indoor Water Park, uh, many rides and attractions. And uh, actually, I saw that their front entrance area is due for redesign and renovation this coming season. Beautiful. The Great Escape. Not your typical Six Flags park. And that's what a lot of people say when they visit. They're like, it doesn't really feel like a Six Flags. Sure, they have the M&M ads. Sure, you know, they've got the train wrapped in a Twix bar. But other than that, you're in a storybook town kind of place. So it is kind of an interesting uh, addition to this chain. They do have an okay, and I do stress, okay coaster lineup. I'll start off with their 1998 edition, the Alpine Slide, which is one of their probably most unique roller coasters. It's the Intamin Bobsled um, that used to operate, actually, at Great Adventure and Great America. So back in the days when Six Flags used to trade out their rides from park to park after a couple of years, this was a part of that ride trade program, and it's stuck at the Great Escape, where it doesn't really operate very often is what I understand. Not usually open, which is kind of sad, but um, 
Have you guys ever ridden an Intamin bobsled? I know. Did you ride the one at King's Dominion? Yeah, I think I rode that one. Yeah. It's just the the one at uh, was Disaster Transport one. It was technically an Intamin bobsled. Um, I've been on that one too. Yeah. That's my only one. I do believe this is the, I think, oh, it might be the sled. Because I was thinking it was uh, the connected bits. I'd have to look up and look up a photo, but it looks like it's got the the tubs free running bloom. Yeah, oh boy. if that's what they're to be called, the paint job suite on it. On is, the it track the, is it white? It's well, the it's like the what you see from the outside looks like a kind of like the the edge at the top of a mountain where the snow kind of turns into rock. Ooh, it looks kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, so this is, it basically is disaster transport. It's got the same um, six-seat vehicles. Or whenever you, like, hit the brake right. You love Abora as well. Six Flags Over Texas. You've ridden that. Which I don't is, remember that, that That's an intimate bobsled. I don't remember It's the one that's well. colored uh, red, yellow, black. Oh, do we have, like, a really funny red operator? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. Back in the day. All right, so we'll move on to the next coaster. This is not going to get you here by any means, but the 2003 Canyon Bloaster, Canyon Blaster. <laughs> Sorry, the Bloaster. That's, that's my nickname, isn't it? The Canyon Bloaster. Yeah. <laughs> so this is an Aero Mine train that opened it, like kind of a later version, but uh, 2003, and it used to operate at Opryland, which is almost like a legend at this point. I don't know anybody that's been to Opryland at this point. Um, but that coaster came from there and it apparently used to operate at the old Indiana Fun in Water Park. So this is the second coaster that's been in three different locations until it made its final home at the Great Escape, which is kind of interesting. The next one is also a relocated coaster that Jeff mentioned in the history it used to operate at Crystal Beach, opened in 1948 at Crystal Beach. In 1994, the park took on that wooden roller coaster, relocated it. Um, it's named the Comet, the PTC Woody. So that was in 1994. So this is their premier coaster there, which is not a very impressive anchor, I would say. Uh, it's a little bit of a classic Woody with some modifications from what I understand. But when you come to Great Escape, this is the coaster you're most excited about. Yeah. All right. 1997, you see the addition of Flashback, a Vacoma Boomerang. We all know what those are. 2005. Trash. Trash. <laughs> Zamperla added a Frankie's Mine Train. So this is a kitty coaster, which Frankie's Mine Train, that's the name of the kitty coaster at um frontier city as well so i don't know who the hell frankie is but he's he's doing well in the coaster well, the kid coaster trains. game yeah and then the 1984 edition so this is the i mean the oldest operating coaster at the park if you count it by the years it's been at the park the steam and demon which is the arrow looper uh the signature skyline coaster i guess you could say of this park Nothing to write home about. None of these coasters are going to be in your top 50. Nope. Maybe not even your top 100. But there is a collection of six of them. 
So when you look at it, it's like if you're if you're trying to get all the credits in America, you got to go to Six Flags Great Escape or the Great Escape. I feel like if you're trying to get all the credits in America, you're gonna have to go to every amusement park and theme park multiple times. Theme park stuff is an intellectual. That is true. All right, so there are some other attractions at this park and. Um, one thing I do want to bring up is the Great Escape Lodge and Water Park, uh, which is basically a small indoor water park and an on-site hotel that they have. Pretty substantial, so it's actually uh, when you're looking at places to stay in Lake George, this is actually a pretty great option. And not all Six Flags parks have a hotel, so I had to bring that up for a, an other attraction. Um, some other ones, you have the Alice in Wonderland Alice in Wonderland. Storybook walkthrough. Wonderland. Wonderland. (laughs) So this is your typical storybook park where you can walk through different settings. There's tiny houses that kids can go through. There's quirky statues and interactive bits. And it's one of their main attractions there. It's what makes Great Escape the Great Escape. You also have another indoor scrambler. For some reason... New England is all about putting scramblers indoors and adding lights and effects. And, you know, the coaster cousins, we're all about that, especially in that um, only scramblers discord. This is going to be one of your top rides. All right. And then the last one to bring up, you have the Desperado Plunge, which is a log flume that is themed to a log town. And there's like some basic animatronics in that ride as well so if you're looking to extend this park visit to more than like two hours you might want to do that you might want to do it and that is the great escape i will say uh i was looking through photos for each of the the coasters while you're reading them off and i'm actually pretty impressed with the 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 theming they did for canyon blaster like the whole area looks like a like a mine that they're actually like working on like it for, for as small of a ride footprint as it is, they, they seem to have given it a lot of love. And that's one thing about this park is there is some theming for some reason. Yeah. Next to the Larson loop. <laughs> Not a coaster. So it's still a six flags park, but it's, it's just a little different. I heard they have some food here. Maybe they it's might not have a thing. lot of options, but yeah, yeah, they have the uh, the normal Six Flags fair, um, but I tried to opt to introduce the audience to some specialties here. Uh, the first listed will be Charlie's Saloon. Uh, they've got a barbecue menu featuring ribs, brisket, and smoked chicken. Uh, then we've got the Skillet Market, which will be steak or chicken fillies. Uh, they've got veggie rice bowls. Uh, chicken fajitas and gluten-free wraps uh, and then uh, my personal favorite name of any of the dining places there uh, for Pete's shake which is milkshakes hey. and the ice cream that so, is a good name yeah it is i'm actually surprised i've never seen it before milkshakes and ice cream you don't see that a lot at six flags parks yeah maybe like a johnny rockets yeah, which I mean, they I also like have, I'm pretty sure. Dip and dots usually. Oh, there's plenty of dip and dots. Oh, yeah. 
I see three I different. I saw three entries. Yeah. <laughs> they really, really, really want you to have different dots. So you're looking at a pretty basic selection with the Six Flags staples as well. There's like um, there is a Johnny Rockets. There is a Macho Nacho. But I guess there's some differences. Yeah. But it's I don't I don't think it's a very big park, so that it just wasn't an expansive menu. And I think more than the other Six Flags parks, this is more geared towards families. So the basic options of like cheeseburgers and chicken strips are probably gonna be more popular at this park than any other. Yep. All right. Well, one thing about Six Flags Great Escape is the surrounding area makes it to where you cannot just pop into Lake George and leave by going to Six Flags Great Escape. You got you to gotta hang out for a little bit. There's a nice lake there, some nature shit. There's some things to do, some stuff to eat. And we're going to go ahead and highlight those attractions first, and then we'll follow up with the food, Jeff. Um, I do have to give a shout out to our executive producer, Brittany, who is my wife, who put together the attractions for us of The Great Escape. So shout out to her. And she divided it into three sections. So if you're looking to spend a little bit of money, do this. If you're trying to extend your stay past just a theme park visit, do this. And then um, she also added some free stuff here as well. So one that is spend a little. You can spend an hour, $19 a person to ride the Steamboat Ride Mini Haha. So right there on Lake George, they have a lot of options to get on these classic boats and do a little tour of the area, check out some of the lake houses, look at the mountains, say, look, there's a fish in that lake or something like that. But the views are fantastic. And for $19 a person, um, it's a pretty decent deal. And there's booze on the ship. So if you're like, I don't really want to do that. Well, guess what? You can be on a boat and have a beer. So that's not too bad. Uh, there's also just a shitload of mini golf here. Like we're talking Gatlinburg level mini golf almost on every other corner. And so if you are a mini golf person, love the classic mini golf, there are some options there as well for different price ranges. And then there's also a little bit of a historical place called Fort William, which I believe was a big part of the French and Indian War, if I had to guess. I did not write notes on this. But they do have um, daytime tours, and then they also have paranormal tours in the evening. So if you're looking for something to do at night, if you're one of those people that watches the Ghost Adventures thing and you love that stuff, you might want to go to this here fort because there might be a ghost or two there to speak to you. I don't know how ghosts work. So there's your spend a little options. So if you are trying to extend your stay, there are some more options. Um, mentioning at the Great Escape, you've got the Lodge and Indoor Water Park, which is a great way to extend, I would say, your day or late evening into the next day kind of thing. There's also an outlet mall and a local village with interesting arcades and like very small attractions where if you're looking to ride some flat rides, 
you can hit up the village area of Lake George, and for some reason there's arcades with carousels and weird children's rides. So especially if you do have children, that could be a great stop. And actually our favorite thing that we found in our research, the Revolution Rail Company has a rail biking adventure. So very naturey place. Picture railroad tracks, but then you also have like the streetcars. Yeah. But you can cycle them. So you're you're literally on a cycling adventure for about two hours. Uh, it's ninety dollars for a two seater and one hundred and sixty for a four seater, and you're just biking your ass over like rivers and through the woods on, on train a track. track on a train track. Okay. Yeah. So it's a great way to be active on your vacation and also take in some scenery. This is like when we were researching, it's like, I think we'd want to do this. I think this could be a lot of fun. Um, price point's a little bit high, but um, where else can you just hop on a, um, a train track and just cycle through the woods? That's true. Yeah. I can't think of anything. Can't and then... You. Yeah, there's just a couple of free things to highlight. Also, Lake George, Prospect Mountain is one of the popular mountains that you can kind of hike. And the Shelving Reach Falls, Roca Falls. I don't know the name of it, but there's some waterfalls. You can go there and look at them. And there you go. That is a quick highlight of Lake George. It's one of those areas that you could skip, but why would you? Why would you? Why would you? Slow down and smell the flowers, especially if you have a Six Flags pass, you know? Make a weekend out of it. It's a good, that's one thing uh, kind of for locals at, in the Lake George area, it is a very popular weekend destination. Very much like a Branson, Missouri, a Gatlinburg, Tennessee, a Lake Mm -hmm. George, a Wisconsin Dells. So for the area, it's a tourist destination. Mm -hmm. It was always fun. Yeah. Hudson the dog wants to go to Lake George. Thank you, Hudson. Which, which just so happens to be outside. One of his favorite places. Right. All right. So are there any food options in Lake George? What do you got there, Jeff? Yeah, I got a few. Um, the first one I picked up uh, is called the Caldwell House Restaurant and Martini Bar. Um, actually taking a look at their menu uh, this will be kind of a upper scale menu as far as price, but it's it looks to be kind of a, at least by their own description, it's a cozy log cabin restaurant, and it is the perfect place for a night out in the Adirondacks. It is chef owned and operated, specializing in hand cut steaks and fresh seafood, all made to order. You have a great martini selection. Come see for yourself. Um, a lot of a lot of good looking things. Just kind of the old classic style steakhouse, I'd say, is kind of the, the menu description in short. Um, but you know, looks good. Um, lots of you know their proximity to the ocean probably will lend uh, some some good actual seafood. So um, the next on the list is uh, the the breakfast place I elected for is called Cafe Vero. Um, they've got all the classics, uh, especially some good looking uh, breakfast sandwiches. Um, this one called the the Adirondacker. It's egg, 
cheese, bacon, sausage, and a chipotle aioli on a Kaiser roll. Or you can select a different bread, but uh, that was the first one listed. They've got lots of good stuff. Their coffee looks real good. It looks like a cozy little place. And they've got a picture of a pancake with a face on their menu. So That know, seems like my kind of pancake place. Kid-friendly, too, yeah. Um, but yeah, Cafe Vero. Uh, the last will be the pizza option, uh, Pizza Jerks, which is a 7.5 on one bite. Respectable. Uh, yeah, looks to be a good place with all the classics, many specials uh, as far as unique pizzas. Uh, and then it also got wings, salads, sandwiches, calzones, kind of a lot of the stuff you expect to find at a pizza place like that. Um, yeah, like the it was fun reading through their specialty menu. They've got, uh, you know, they've got like the they've got one called the carcass. Just red sauce. It, it pretty much looks to be their meat lovers. Just uh, opted for a more interesting name. Um, Say it how it is. It's a bunch of dead animals on a pizza. Right. Uh, but yeah, they. You know, it's good menu. I'd recommend checking it out if you're in the area. Looks looks pretty good. And like Ospera said, seven point five one bite is a good score. So they're not uh, dealing out any any garbage here. After looking at the picture of it, I could see it sneaking up into my top sevens. It looks delicious. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Uh, it's hard to judge a pizza by its cover, though. Right. It could look great and taste terrible. That's right. Well, one thing that's unique about this area, you have Six Flags Great Escape, and you also have Six Flags New England, so why wouldn't you have a uh, season pass? You know what I mean? They're both very close to each other. And if you live in this area, I think you got to go for it. But Six Flags New England, you're actually looking at a – this is the most substantial park as far as coaster credits in the New England area. And there are – there's kind of a one-two punch here in coasters that are rivaled to not many. Not many. So there's two great top coasters that we'll talk about here in a second. But first – you guys got to learn more about this park, a little bit about the history, which I believe is fairly extensive. Yeah. Um, I, I condensed it to the important bits that I could. Um, I've got it as uh, Six Flags New England being founded as a picnic grove in 1870 called Gallup's Grove, eventually becoming Riverside Park in 1912, which would be the name of the park for most of the park's life. Uh, the first rides included a carousel, and the first coaster, the Giant Dip, was added in 1912. Uh, the park had three coasters by 1928, adding the Greyhound and Whirlwind Racer, while Lightning replaced the Giant Dip. Events of the 30s took their toll on the park, so the park closed in 1933, uh, but was rescued by a man named Edward Carroll for, and reopened for the 1940 season so it spent seven years closed um the first coaster added after that purchase was named thunderbolt in 1941 and remains active and is the oldest operating coaster among all of the parks six flags owns the park was purchased in 1996 by premier parks and the name expanded to riverside the great escape the name stuck until 2000 with the rebrand to Six Flags New England. Interesting. So there was, was there two great escapes in this area? Yeah. I think there might have been. 
What's with all like old time coasters all named like Thunderbolt? Like, is it just like the name to go back then? I think they didn't have the internet. So they were like, right. Perfect name for this would be Thunderbolt or Cyclone. <laughs> and then well, like, maybe it was that. an inside joke by the engineers or something. And they just named all them Thunderbolt and hope nobody would notice. I mean, it is a great name, but I mean, through a hundred years, how many coasters have been called the Thunderbolt? Come on, old people. Get it together now. <laughs> All right. Well, there is a an interesting coaster lineup here. You have some outstanding ones, and then you have a lot of middle-of-the-road cookie-cutter additions. So we'll hop in here. I'll start with Thunderbolt because that is mentioned in the history, 1941. Joseph, Joseph Drambor. Apparently the guy that built it. They bought this ride actually from the World's Fair and then put it in this park. So I've actually heard this is a great classic Woody and isn't too rough. Actually is pretty fun. So this is one of the, this is probably the biggest Six Flags left that I haven't been to. And this is, this is one of like the top three I'd be excited there for. The others that people really go to this park for. You have the 2015 edition Wicked Cyclone, which is the RMC coaster that took over for Cyclone, but they put a New England Wicked on it. Wicked. Wicked Wicked Cyclone, bro. Looks like it goes Wicked Head. Wicked Head. (laughs) So it uh, has three inversions, two of those being zero-G rolls and one zero-G stall. So... It is kind of a one-trick pony in that all of its inversions are rolls, basically. But I've heard really good things about this RMC. Really, really good things. And one of the top RMCs out there I haven't ridden that I want to get on. Now, talking about the one-two punch, you follow up with the 2000 edition Superman the Ride, which is the Intamin Hyper Coaster, which since it opened in 2000, by the way, this opened the same year Millennium Force did, and this is a much more intense ride. I think people would generally say this is the better ride of the two Intamins. Well, I think multiple Intamins opened that year, but Superman the Ride, it's a custom hyper Intamin with some crazy airtime, a really unique layout, and it's very similar to like the Superman the Rides at Darien Lake and Six Flags America or whatever the hell they're called now. I don't think there's a Superman brand on some of those. Who knows? Ride of Steel. You can't keep up anymore. But this is another ride that you can't keep up with the name because it used to be Bizarre. It used to be Superman. It used to be Superman. Whatever. But it is um, another top ride out there. When, when I'm looking at coasters I haven't ridden, this is one that could sneak into my top 10 pretty easily, I think. All right. And then we'll go on to what is the less inspiring of the coasters. We started with the top three, I would say. Um, did you guys know there was a B&M floorless at this park? Nope. I always forget about it. It's like the most forgotten B&M floorless to me, but it is Batman the Dark Knight, and it's um, 117 feet tall. goes about 117 miles an hour. It's one of those rides that you take Batman the ride and like the inverted coasters and you put the theming on a B&M floorless and it's a model that feels like it could have been repeated 
in multiple parks and then never was um, just because it is so small. I don't, I don't know why, but it's, it's a unique coaster and I would say meets my top five of the parks here and I hear it's okay. One thing that's really odd as I go through here, you have the 2000 edition of Superman, the ride. You also had a 2000s edition of a family coaster called Catwoman's Whip, the Zaire family coaster. A great fucking name for a coaster. Don't know why it's a kitty coaster, but <laughs> um, it seems a little bit aggressive on the sexual side <laughs> to have Catwoman's Whip be a kitty coaster. But here we are, and it looks like a decent ride. The Zaire family coasters are a lot of fun, and you know, with the 40 car train, the 40 car train situation. And I, this is like a guilty, a guilty pleasure of mine is to ride these, especially if they're named Catwoman's Whip. Another 2000 edition flashback of a coma boomerang that they bought from Kentucky Kingdom. They put three coasters in in 2000. That's crazy. One of those being an intimate hyper coaster. Like, what the fuck was Six Flags doing? They would do this sometimes. So let's put in three coasters. Weird like move. They got Geauga Lake and then buried it. Yeah. Assholes. Way to get Geauga Lake in. I'm proud of you. All right. And then we got about five more coasters left here. 2011, you saw the addition of the Gotham City Gauntlet Escape from Arlaham Asylum. It's a Mauer Wild Mouse. Um, themed in their Gotham City area. Of... Oh, oh, an absurdly long name for a, a, a yeah. wild mouse took up most of the line of my notes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out a little bit with that title because somebody will. Oh, uh, okay. It's Arkham Asylum. Arkham Asylum. Sorry, Arkham. not a Batman guy at all. No, you're fine. What'd you call it? Arkham. 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 Whatever. Eat your heart out, nerds. Yeah. 1996, we saw the addition of a Miley Kitty Coaster called Great Chase. Which Miley Kitty Coasters, they slap, homie. They slap. They're pretty good. 2017, you saw the addition of Joker, which is a, your generic SNS free spin that you're almost seeing at every Six Flags park at this point. Another that you see at almost every Six Flags at this point, Pandemonium, the family spinning coaster, your basic spinning dragons for Kansas Cityans. This theme to pandemonium probably used to be a, a tony hawk right if i'm guessing tony hawk free spin or big spin i think this one actually used to be yeah big spin uh, but i think this one actually used to be a mr six attraction until they dropped mr six i, I mean, loved the whole tony hawk uh, theming back in the day was like, great that was, was kind of sick so like tony hawk would sign the operating panel and stuff it's one thing that i wish didn't, didn't go away I guess Tony Hawk wanted too much money. Who knows? All right. And then to close out this as the uh, what's easily the worst attraction, probably in the park, you've got Riddler's Revenge, the Vacoma SLC, the 1997 edition. And I'm getting a lot of people lately that are like, this SLC isn't that bad. It's kind of smooth. Nah, all, else, all SLCs can burn in hell. If you tell me it's smooth and I've already got the credit and I wrote it and it was fucking rough, I'm not listening to you. So I'll write it once for the credit and never, ever hit it again. And I might not even write it once for the credit. 
theme park side. I think you're overriding SLCs for credits. Yeah, I'm kind of done with them. Yeah. The aim boomerangs. It's just not worth it. You're just I mean, padding the count. You know what it is. Especially boomerangs. Maybe an SLC if I'm feeling it that day, I might ride it, but I always regret it afterwards. It's true. All right. So some other attractions to highlight. That's a how many coasters are we talking here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Goddamn. So pretty big, pretty big park. Pretty big. Um, some other attractions to highlight. They do have a hurricane harbor, which is a pretty substantial water park with some pretty much every hurricane harbor has some decent slides and it's kind of worth it. Just a matter of do you want to go to a water park or not? Um, other attractions though, you've got Houdini, the great escape, which is a Vacoma madhouse. If you guys haven't ridden one of these, they're super wacky. You walk into it, it kind of feels like what's going to be a dark ride attraction, but it's an indoor and you're basically sitting what, what appears to be like benches on each side of a room. And then there's like, you start to rock and then the room will spin underneath you like it's like a tunnel almost that spins faster than how you're spinning oh. it's they're weird and nauseating but they're so such a different experience you you have to at least ride it once i'd say this looks pretty cool it is pretty cool yeah um if you're if you're motion sick um i wouldn't recommend but if you can handle spinning it's pretty cool and then there's also Cyborg Hyperdrive, which is an indoor flat ride. Um, it's odd. So the, the ride system is basically a very small circle where you're facing outward. And then it tilts on its axis and spins. It's a ride that doesn't seem like it needs to be an indoor flat ride, but it is. And I guess that's kind of the New England thing to do is to put a flat ride indoors for some reason. Um, I think it should be done more. I don't know why it's only a New England thing, but that is another highlight of parks. And they also do have a very tall skyscraper, like a 400-foot tall one, which is like shit your pants height. And that is Six Flags New England. I'm sure very similar food to what you have at Six Flags Great Escape, but I can't wait to hear the food highlights. Yeah, all the Six Flags regulars, uh, the few I've picked out, we've got the Northern Star Brew House, which specializes in steak and cheese grinders, but they've also got draft beer. So if you're needing to cool off on a hot day with a nice brew, that looks like a good place to go. Uh, we've got the Take Six Cafe, which has pasta, deli sandwiches, wraps, salads, and pizza. So that's a good wide menu, some lighter options in there. Uh, and then the Coaster Creamery, which... I'm not sure what this is, but uh, they have fresh baked bubble cones. I don't know what a bubble cone is. Oh. And then uh, you can make custom ice cream creations as well there. Is a bubble cone like, uh, is that going to be like um, a bubblegum flavored cone? Let's look this up. We've got information on our side. A bubble cone. We've got information on our- Oh, it's a so it's a thick cone, somewhat similar to a waffle with large hexagon-shaped bubbles like into the oh. cone itself. Crispy on the outside, chewy on the inside. Ooh, sounds good. That does sound good. It looks interesting. 
I've never seen it or heard of it. So. Oh, and I do have to give a shout out. To, uh, they have a chop six. So COF coasters, if you're listening, we know where Excellent. you're eating. Big chop six guy. Although I hear the one at Six Flags St. Louis is the best one. The chop six. The chop six. That's what I hear. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, they, yeah, they've they've got a lot of good stuff there too. They have a Go Fresh Cafe. Um, they also have a Blue Moon Saloon, Ooh. which is fun to say. Uh, they've also got beer, pretzels, chips. Just the, you know, their their menu was a bit wider than uh, Great Escapes was, but a lot of the the regulars or the regulars renamed into something else. So. Yeah. There is a lot of, of crossover just the Six Flags parks. You got like Primo's Pizzerias, you got Macho Nacho, JB's Steakhouse, Johnny Rockets. Like they've got everything you come to expect at a Six Flags. You got to get the bubble gum out, apparently. Yeah, I I'm interested in that. That is a that that is something I'd make sure to do if I went because I've never had one. There you go. So we have gone through New England, and now we are going to focus on. The state of Connecticut, which has two parks and some interesting attractions and food that we're going to have to highlight. So let's see. Theme par- oh, oh, yeah. So we'll talk about, I guess we're highlighting New Haven. And then if there are some attractions, which I'm not sure if there is or not in Hartford, we'll highlight those too. But theme park stuff, man, this is your big break. I know you didn't have time to study. You just kind of woke up and were told to podcast. But yeah, you looked up some stuff, and I'm sure you're ready to talk about it. Yeah, so New Haven, there's not a ton of things to do in this place, um, but it does have a lot of history. Uh, number one, Yale University is in New Haven. So a lot of things to do are kind of surrounded around that. Um, so just kind of going to Yale and maybe taking a tour of the university, um, they also have a lot of museums um, at the university. Um, one of those being, um, just totally lost my notes. Uh, <laughs> there's basically, there's a natural history museum there. Um, they also have a musical history uh, museum. Um, they have like, I guess, a huge collection of like musical instruments they could check out as well. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of museums that are kind of around that area. Um, let me go back to my other one. Um, another place to go to as well is, of course, up in New England area, lighthouses, just like our last episode. Hell yeah, let's go see some, some lights. Yeah, this one's kind of cool though, and I think a lot of a uh, lot of the um, people listening to the show actually, if they're going to go to one lighthouse out of out of the ones that we're going to mention today and uh, last episode. This would probably be the one to go to. But basically, um, Lighthouse at Point Park, New Haven, Connecticut. And the reason why I think a lot of our listeners would go to this one is they actually have a carousel ride that dates in the 1920s. Um, so you could go there, ride a classic uh, carousel, um, and also see a lighthouse. Um, it's a perfect romantic getaway um, that um, you could bring a significant other and kind of enjoy. It's right off the post. And just looking at the photo of it, it looks like a Windows screensaver, like photo, pretty much. It looks very kind of like iconic, and so I think this would be a great lighthouse to go to. And it has a carousel, so and it's like a good carousel. It's a good carousel, according to Costa Bro. 
it's not like your cheap ass carousel you're gonna see at the mall. This is like when you when you look up the carousel, it's a bunch of wedding photos. So it's like your classic looking carousel, apparently. People, people are like, yo, let's go take our wedding photos at the carousel <laughs> and the lighthouse. So if you're getting married in New England, something to think about. Another thing too is if you like rare books, there is the. <laughs> <laughs> Benike, I, I totally probably messed up. Benike, it's B I N E C K E, rare book and manuscript library mm-hmm. in New Haven. So it looks pretty cool. It has like a real modern kind of look of the building. So if you like rare books, that's your thing, or someone in your group does, it's a good opportunity to go to. I wonder if you can find the Harry Potter books in there. I wonder. Maybe some rare ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, other than that, there's not a lot of other things to do. There's a lot of great parks around New Haven, so there's a lot of great places to walk around outside. So if you're looking to stay active, a lot of beautiful parks um, in the area. Other than that, there's uh, basically museums, lighthouses, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the food and drink that they have there because they have some very good ones. Um, but other than that, you're going to just be doing a lot of history, theme parks, and uh, lighthouses. There you have it. Go see your lighthouses. Go ride your carousels. And go try to see Rory from that one television show. Gilmore Girls. The Gilmore Girls. I think she's still there, right? Or is she busy doing cocaine in the alley now? I turned into a bad girl. She did? Yeah. Like in like her character in the show or just in real life? Yeah, Rory just... Uh, the character in the show kind of turns into a pile of garbage. Oh, shit. Yeah. She was real sweet in the beginning. But anyway, the real reason you should be coming to this area is for the food. It's for the food. And we're talking some of the some of the best pizza in the world. And I'll, I'll let you take over here, Jeff, because I don't know how you organized it. But I'm excited to hear about your fucking pizza here. Yeah. Uh, New Haven is definitely uh, carries its share of food history. but. Uh, I didn't really know until before this that New Haven had its own style of pizza. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that before I dive into the individual places, just to just to give the the listeners some something to work with. So uh, I, I kind of used a, for, uh, a site for you know learning about the pizza, and it's described New Haven style pizza is described as a hottier, hotter excuse me, a hotter, crispier, and dirtier descendant of the Neapolitan-style pies. Uh, what ribs are to Kansas City, cheesesteak to Philadelphia, and crab cakes to Baltimore, pizza is to New Haven, allegedly. Wow. So, uh, you know, uh, some things that uh, kind of contribute to that culture, uh, it's a pizza, not pizza. Uh, a and pizza. That's, that is uh, homage to the Italian dialect spoken in the Naples region of Italy. Um, Sally's and Modern still use that in their title. So it's Sally's a pizza and Modern a pizza. You got to say it with the, the Italian hand when you do. And what's um, important is it, it sounds like a beats. A pizza. A pizza. A pizza. A pizza. Yeah. Pizza <laughs> and historically, New Haven pizza relies on coal fire 
to cook the pizza. Um, Pepe's and Sally's, which are two of the places I'll talk about, uh, still use coal. Modern initially did, but has since switched to an oil-fueled open flame brick oven. Uh, When you look up pictures of New Haven pizza, it may appear burned, but it is uh, charred. Uh, helps contribute to the flavor from the coal smoke flavor. It's going to look a little darker, um, but it is charred, not burned. Uh, New Haven style pizza dough relies on longer fermentation than that of the quick rise New York style, allowing the dough to proof more slowly over the co- course of an overnight refrigeration. Allows for more nuanced flavor and chewy crust. Um, Hearing Most you of the say that makes my nipples hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungry as hell now. Yeah, I really, really pizza. want pizza now, and I have none here. A pizza. So we better wrap this up before the ice takes over. <laughs> um, most of the old timers in New Haven call their whole milk aged mozzarella by a single syllable, moots. So if you hear that, it's not uh, irregular. Um, they're just referring to mozzarella. Are you being uh, regular? Say it again. Are you being a regular? You can call it Moots cheese. So the, the next part of this says you can only get away with this with saying Moots if you grew up on Wooster Street using the word uh, or are an Italian-American and want to give it a go or you've worked in a pizzeria. Uh, apparently those are the only three acceptable scenarios that you can say Moots. <laughs> so if your ass so. comes from uh, middle of nowhere, Kansas, and you're trying to get fresh Moots and you say that, you're going to get slapped. Yep. Um, Fair enough. And to that end, and this is a very, very important thing to note, apparently, mozzarella is considered a topping, so you have to specify if you want it on there. If you don't ask for it, it will not come with your pizza. Oh. Interesting. So the first pies in, to that end, the first pies in New Haven were topped with tomato sauce. That's it. No cheese, no toppings, just crushed tomatoes, uh, and the crust cooked in the oven, um, which is still an option available. Um, I'd actually be interested to try that just to see what it's like. Um, Another uh, signature pizza for the area is a white clam pizza. Um, What those would look like is any combination of clams with uh, their aged cheese and garlic atop a thin crust, uh, along with smoky bacon. That actually sounds pretty good. Uh, and then you got to make sure that you get a Fox on Park soda with your pizza to wash it down. They are made with uh, real sugar, so make sure you get one of those to pair with your pair with your pie. But on to on to the meat and potatoes of the pizza. Um, I'm going to kick off with the first. Uh, it's Pepe's Pizzeria Napolitana, which opened in 1925. It uses a coal-fired brick oven. Their signature pizza is their white clam pizza, uh, and it carries an 8.5 on one bite. With um, the Prez giving it an 8.5 as well. Ooh. 8.5 yeah. is probably the highest we've talked about on the show so far. And so I'm going to, uh, after I've talked through these three places, I'm going to expand a little bit more on that because actually these three aren't even the highest rated by one bite wow but they are kind of the 
the the holy trinity so you you got to talk about them so the next on the list is modern pizza i did these in the order they were opened um when they opened in 1934 they use an open flame brick oven now their signature pizza is called the italian bomb uh, and their one bite scores uh public are 8.6 and 8.8 from the prez uh and then Rounding out the the three, we've got Sally's a Pizza, which is an 8.8 public and 9.2 from the Prez. They opened in 1938 and use a coal-powered brick oven. Their signature pizzas are their tomato pie and their garden pie. Now, to to expand on these a little bit, um, I was looking through some of the pizzas in the area. Um, There's two that jump out, the first of which is John's of Bleecker Street which receives an 8.9 public and a 9.3 from the Prez. And then the other uh, is Defara Pizza, which gets an 8.8 public and a 9.4 from Prez. So those are just the highest? Yeah, uh, at least as far as the one bite favorites segment. Which uh, those those will probably be talking on our next show. Because those well, are those, probably those are New, York. For New Haven. So, oh, New Haven. Yeah. Oh, so John's Obliquer is in New Haven too. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, um, yeah. Um, but pizza is not the only historical claim to fame as far as the food goes in New Haven. Um, we've got a late edition here uh, called Lewis's Lunch. Shout out uh, Theme Park Stud for bringing that to my attention. So, uh, they make the claim to be the first restaurant to serve a hamburger. And is the oldest burger restaurant in the United States, opening in 1895. And theirs are not, uh, when you look up pictures of theirs, it's not going to be like a traditional what you know burger uh, served on like normal looking bread rather than a bun. Um, But all the same, looks like a pretty good burger. And they've got to be if it's survived this long. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? And then take your order. Oh, what a great movie. Great movie. But yeah, that's uh, New Haven food. Yeah, the burgers look like patty melts, essentially. I really, really, really want a pizza now. Yeah. This is kind of like talking about New Haven's pizza. Makes me want to go ride some theme parks. Ride some theme parks in this area. <laughs> Do you pizza, ride a whole theme park at once? The theme parks. Yeah, that's kind of what this area is. All right, so there are some uh, smaller theme parks as well in Connecticut, which pair up really well with Six Flags New England. Um, It's almost like if you go to Six Flags New England, you've got to add these two other parks. And these next two parks are, are the kind of park that you would go to both in one day very easily and also be able to fit in some pizza in the middle. But... The most sexy of the two goes to Lake Compounds. Lake Compounds. And uh, Jeff's going to tell us about the history of Lake Compounds. It's probably extensive. I just like to say that about all the parks in this area. Yeah, I could have spent a lot longer on this. I condensed it as well. But I do have to say this is probably a top of the bucket list parks for me in the United States. Um, I want to go here more than any other park I've never been to. Um, Lake Compounds opened in 1846 in Bristol, Connecticut, and is the oldest 
continuously operating park in the United States. It carries both the 14th oldest coaster in the world, which is the Wildcat, and then the Golden Ticket award-winning Boulder Dash, which has won for five consecutive years. And that's that's the main draw here. Um, that's, that's really the, the core of the history. There is a lot more to it. If you want to dive into it, I could spend all day talking about it, but that's, that's what I've got for right now. That's what you'll get. That's yeah. what you'll get. We got a lot of stuff to cover on this show, so I appreciate you not going balls deep into the late compounds history. Yeah. But, yeah, when you talk about late compounds, it is all about the Boulder Dash roller coaster, which ironic that you said that because this is also one of my top bucket list parks for this ride. And I don't want to psych myself out for it because I, I do have an understanding that it might be a little bit rough, especially if you don't ride in the front. But it's one of the most unique wooden roller coasters out there that none of us have ridden. You ride the lift hill up the mountain and you go down the fucking mountain on a wooden roller coaster. What could be better than that? It's one of the best settings, I think, of any coaster in America. So it is a CCI terrain roller coaster built in 2000. And I do know a couple of years back, um, GCI came in and did some work, kind of ended the finale and kind of smoothed out the ride. So this is very high on my bucket list. Pair this with a pizza and I want to buy a ticket right now, boys. Yeah. Let's go to Connecticut. Might have to do it. All right. Some other coasters that are also at Lake Compounds. Nothing crazy. You go here for Boulder Dash. If Boulder Dash is closed, you probably have a bad day. But uh, at least it's more reliable than like Lightning Rod is. So um, you've got a kitty coaster named Kitty Coaster added in 1997. It is a Moline and Sons roller coaster. And without looking at a picture or remembering my research, I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about this roller coaster. It looks like it's built out of connects. There you go. <laughs> it's one of those. So I don't even know if, if adults can ride without kids, to be honest. So one of the images has two adults in the front row, and one of them looks like Nick Bierbauer. Probably is. <laughs> Probably is. All right. The 2016 edition, which is their newest roller coaster, and actually, it, I would even argue, a good edition. With terrible spelling, the Phobia Fear Coaster. Phobia spelled correctly, fear spelled with a P-H-E-A-R to match the phobia. Completely unnecessary. Just call it the Fear Coaster or Phobia. Phobia Fear is like saying fear, fear. Fear, fear. I don't know. Anyway, it's a premier, it's a premier skyrocket coaster. These are rides that you see pretty consistently at Six Flags Parks. I know there's one in Tampa now at the Bush Gardens there. I feel like this is the best fit because it is a low-capacity ride for kind of a lower-capacity park. So I think it's a perfect addition, and it might be the second-best ride at this park. 1927, you saw the addition of Wildcat, which is a PTC roller coaster. I've heard this is one of the roughest fucking rides out there. Um and the main reason being, in 1986, guess who kind of rebuilt the ride and 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 uh, did some work to Wildcat? Anybody want to guess? I mean, I'm looking at it, so it wouldn't be a guess. <laughs> All right. 
it's Ben and Summers, the people that made Timberwolf, the people that made uh, some of the roughest coasters in America at this point. Did uh, not age well, didn't they? I think Mean Streak as well. <laughs> yeah. So the name's kind of attached to like, oh, well, yeah, it probably is a rough, a rough pile of garbage. So make sure you don't sit in a wheel seat on this one. Try to sit in the front, maybe make it bearable, but get your cut. It's it's a pretty, a pretty ride. Like it's kind of the background of the entrance when you walk in. So it might be there for a while, but it's it's a rough one from what I understand. And then to round off the five coasters, you've got the 1997 edition of Zoomerang, the Vacoma Boomerang, which apparently one of the smoother ones, according to a random kid on the internet who probably is a local of this park that says, it's not that bad. I bet it is. I bet, I bet it that, is that bad. person's listening. Probably so. So if that's you, I apologize. Um, I don't have a person in mind, though, when I do say that. <laughs> it's just, it seems like there's one at every home park. <laughs> All right. As far as some other attractions with Lake Compounds, um, there is a Crocodile Cove Water Park, which is a great name for a water park. Good to see. This is kind of one of your smaller scale water parks. Think like more of regional park, more locals water park, but um, it is a great way to extend your stay. If you're trying to spend a day at Lake Compounds, you're probably not going to do that at just the dry park itself. So if you wanted to add the water park, there you have it. Uh, They do have some, some good other attractions. You've got ghost hunt, which is a Sally dark ride that's been recently refurbished. So anytime there's a Sally dark ride at a park, Coaster Bro is going to ride that shit. Theme Park said you're going to ride that shit? I'll ride it. Chef Jeff, you're going to ride that shit? I'm going to ride that shit. More likely to ride this shit than a boomerang. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So good on them for having a Sally dark ride. They also have a, a ride called Thunder and Lightning, which is an SNS swing. Which, pretty good ride for a small park. I must say, I'd probably ride that. Theme park stuff, would you probably ride that? I'll ride it. Chef Jeff, would you probably ride that? I'm going to ride that shit. I'll ride that shit. And then another just unique attraction that doesn't do a whole lot, but I just think it's cool, is amongst the lake compounds, you have a trolley line that is just a transportation device um, through the park. That just kind of goes along the lake. I'll ride that shit. Ride that shit, theme park stuff? Ride that shit. Hey, how about you, Chef Jeff? I'm going to ride that shit. I'm going to ride that shit too, said Coaster, bro. So, uh, yeah, just to put it in a nutshell, all the rides and attractions at Lake Compounds, I'm going to ride that shit. What about you, theme park stud? I'll ride that shit. Chef Jeff? I'm going to ride that shit. All right, let's see if we'd eat that shit. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should take that one back, please. Would you oh. shit? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off here because I already know it's gonna be great. They've got a potato patch, mm. a plus fries with a variety of toppings. You, there's no way to go wrong with a potato patch unless you just don't like potatoes, and then I just don't care to know you. Are these like Sorry. fresh cut potatoes? You think? Yep. No, yeah. oh, it has to I'd be that shit. Yeah, it's. I'd eat that shit. <laughs> I'd eat that shit. <laughs> the the next up on the list is called the Crock Pot. Uh, they've got chili chowders, wraps, and salads. 
Um, if the, if it's a cooler day, you know, maybe you can opt for one of those warm bowls of chili or chowder. Um, I mean, it is the new England area after all, you got to get yourself some chowder, but, uh, yeah. Um, after that will be the timber Jack chow house. Uh, you can get a, get yourself a custom burger or chicken sandwich. They also have hot dogs, fries, onion rings, and drinks kind of looks like the, I would say the, the most put together as far as like a sit down place there goes. Um, they have a lot of carts and other options. Uh, they have two dipping dots, so not quite three, not, not hit the big time yet, but not quite enough. Right. Uh, and then for, for dessert, it looks like the uh, main gate creamery for ice cream will be your place to go. They've got Dole Whip there in addition to ice cream. So very nice. Yeah. A few highlights place. that I see just from thumbing through Dunkin' Donuts, which I just love in an amusement park. I don't particularly go out of my way for a Dunkin', but if there's Dunkin' at the amusement park, I'm not drinking the shitty hotel coffee. I'm getting a Dunkin' drink when I uh, get to the park. And also they have a Rita's Italian Ice, which is kind of a, a Northeast thing. Pretty decent dessert option. It's kind of like a slushy. Especially if you're uh, uh, dairy-free. Especially if you're dairy-free. There you have it. Like compounds. I'd eat that shit. <laughs> I'd eat that shit. I'd ride that shit and I'd eat that shit. Hell yeah. All right. So we'll highlight the last park on our trip here. This is a much quicker stop. This is the smallest of the five that we are highlighting today. And, you know, some would argue it might not even be worth stopping in. But real coaster enthusiasts would stop into this, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, hey, I hear there's a pretty extensive uh, history here at Quasi. <laughs> I did give this one a little more attention, but it's got some interesting bits to it. Uh, Quasi opened in Middlebury, Connecticut, along Lake Quasipog. If wow. I, apologies if I mispronounce that, in 1908. And it is one of only 11 trolley parks still operating in the U.S., for anybody that needs it, a trolley park is historically a picnic and recreation area along or at the ends of streetcar lines in most of the larger cities back then. Quasi became a stop along the trolley line between Waterbury and Woodbury. As more people got off at this stop, Quasi became a summer resort area. Uh, in 1937, three businessmen purchased the property and began to develop it. And after World War II, Quasi it's established itself as a full-scale amusement park. We appreciate that, Quasi. Thanks for becoming a full-scale amusement park. Yep. You could have stopped at Trolley Park, but you stuck it out. And for that, we appreciate you, Quasi. All right. So this will be a very brief lineup of their rides. It was hard for me to even come up with the top five here. Um but you do have the 1952 edition of the Little Dipper, which is a Herschel Kitty Coaster. This is another one that I don't think adults would be able to ride. But if you are, you might as well do it because there's only two credits here. The star of the show is the 2011 Gravity Group family wooden coaster called Wooden Warrior. Wooden Warrior. Wooden Warrior. So th these are always interesting to me because I still haven't rode one of these things. We talked about it at Storybook Land, I think, as the, the dino coaster or whatever. 
This is a 32-foot tall, 35-mile-per-hour wooden coaster. And whenever you see those stats, you think it's just going to be like one of those PTC ones. It's going to be slow, and there's going to be high turns. Nah, this thing hits you in the fucking mouth. Hits you in the mouth from what I understand. So, yeah, it's it's the highlight. And it's definitely worth just stopping in. You probably hit this park in under an hour, and then you go to Lake Compounds. I think that's the move. Um, some other attractions that you might consider while you're at Quasi, if you're trying to spend a couple of hours at the park, they do have the Splash Away Bay, very small amusement park to match their very small water park. And then some other attractions that you may pay for. This is a paper ride park, so you're probably not going to pay for these other attractions. But if you get like the whole day thing, go for it. You've got Frantic, which is a 360 degree swing, pendulum swing ride. I'm not riding that shit. Theme Park said, do you not ride that shit? I might ride it. You go upside down? I could do that. Very small. We'll see how I feel. Okay. Theme Park stuff might ride that shit. You might drop $2 or whatever it is to ride it. Oh. Uh, Maybe. Might not do that. Might not do that. The pay for ride thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, one of the best attractions, I would say, they actually on Lake... What's the lake called again? Quasipog. Uh, uh, Quasipog. On Lake Quasipog, you can get the swan boats. You get with your significant oh, yeah. other, your best friend, whoever's there with you. And uh, go take a paddle boat on uh, out on the lake. That's a pretty I'd cool idea. I've read once. And then you also have the Quasi Express train, which is going to be your basic train ride, just kind of around the perimeter of the park. And um, that's the top five that I scraped out <laughs> of uh, Quasi. <laughs> is there any food to mention here? There are five total restaurants, so I picked three. There you go. <laughs> uh, we've got the Quasi Restaurant. Uh, lakeside restaurant with patio seating featuring burgers, dogs, fries, salads, barbecue, chicken, ribs, fried calamari, and shrimp. And it is lakeside, so it's a great place to kick back and uh, decompress. Uh, next will be Bella and Bessie's Pizza Shop. Get your pizza fix here. That's the long and short of it. <laughs> and then for the sweets, we've got Sweet Sensation, who carries ice cream, cotton candy, popcorn. Uh, caramel apples and more there you go yeah. i mean what more do you need at this park right i hear I mean, that i hear it's an okay it's small bar. park so i hear they have an okay bar there too so like if you're trying to drink and have a chill day quasi might be the place to go you might need some beer that might be some... their uh splash away bay cafe probably so that would make a lot of sense I mean, since I mentioned four, the last one's fried dough stand. So, yeah, there you go. Now we're done. (laughs) Knock it out. Now you know everything you need to know about Quasi. All right. Well, we made it through the show, guys. We made it through. We got highlighted a bunch of parks. I think we're going to be dipping into New York for our next stop. So, New York City. New York. Yeah, that's a big show. That's going to be a big show, so we'll, we'll get that one figured out and straightened out. A lot of parks in the New York area to highlight. And um, I hear there's some good pizza in New York and maybe some other food, too. It's going to be a controversial episode because if we do have any New York listeners, we're probably going to take some verbal abuse. 
or anybody that's been to New York because I, I just hear picking any pizza there is controversial no matter what you do. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna draw a line in the sand and piss some people I, off. I heard uh, New York pizza is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Chump chump change, not not good. There's not a single no good pizza. pizza. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok at Coaster Cuzzies. And uh, make sure you rate the podcast. You have the ability now to go on to Spotify and actually rate out of five stars. I, I noticed that the other day. What? So if you appreciate our show, go ahead and give us five stars. Maybe write a little something about us. Um, if you don't think we're a five star show, don't fucking don't rate us. There's no reason to at all. Five or nothing. Go read a different podcast that you think is five stars. That's fine, too. And uh, we also do have merch available, coastercuzzies.com slash store. Click the link at the top of that page. It'll take you to our actual website uh, where you can buy that shit. Oh, my gosh. I'm dropping things everywhere. We appreciate the hell out of you guys. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me tag along last minute. You know, it was a long trip to go get you at Hooters, but it was worth it. Yeah, I just kind of yeah. got a little tired of it, so yeah. glad you guys can't pick me up. We'll have to find a new Hooter now, which is... Well, technically, I guess I've been on it. We had to go pick up Jeff. Yeah. So we had to go pick up Jeff. I was still with the last one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I almost bailed in Portland. I was really liking that area. Decided to tag along because I was really excited for Quasi. Yeah. <laughs> well, the next time somebody's not available, it's going to be a new Hooter somewhere along the East Coast. So hopefully they're over there. All right, America, you know what to do. Stay fly. Stay fly and ride that shit. <laughs> I'd ride that I'd shit. Ride that shit. <laughs>